0: Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. Super excited that you guys are here. We got another epic show for you today, and uh, we're just going to get right into it. If this is your first time listening, welcome aboard. This is a this is a pretty cool show. We have a lot of really awesome guests on, and you're going to find some really helpful, useful actionable information that you can take and put into place right away and if you are returning oh my gosh you guys are absolutely phenomenal just fabulous you guys make this show happen I cannot begin to tell you how much I appreciate you guys being here so thank you so very much So I'm here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business, and that means a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. But most importantly today, we're going to be talking about some employment law changes that are hitting across the nation, I'm going to share with you later in the show where you can get access to these call-outs. Our main topic today is what does the world really look like? And we have an awesome guest, who her name is uh, Sharanya Kanan. I, I know I was going to screw that up at PayPal. Sorry, dear. And uh, really had a phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. And her background really kind of gives us, as she looks at global strategy, gives us an insight to what really is taking place in the world. Uh, it's not a controlled narrative type of perspective, and it doesn't matter what direction that's coming in, because I think everybody's trying to control a narrative right now. But she's got some really, really fantastic insight that's going to help out. I'm going to talk to you about some upcoming events and some announcements that we've got. And then also I'm going to share with you how to get best practices delivered right to your inbox. Um, This information, folks, before we move forward, is available the information that is available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any issues that you may be having. And if you don't have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me and I might be able to help refer one to you through our affiliates program. All right, so employment law changes and headlines that are hitting across the nation. So first off, <clears throat> the first major court decision in the PPP Agent-free litigation deal has led to a victory to lenders. So there's some good information in there. Also, there's some remote virtual verification information for the continuation of the I-9. Basically, what that means is all about being able to verify documents remotely. Now that we're still kind of dealing with this, uh, the USCIS has extended uh, the, that for uh, until mid-September. Also, you're going to be able to find some information about reimbursements and uh, remote work. The flu season and the possible COVID-19 vaccine is going to kind of open up some conversations, if it hasn't already, on workplace vaccination policies. Very dicey, very dodgy area. So we've got an article out there for you on that one. Also, the new executive order takes aim at hiring under federal contracts. So if you are a federal contractor, there is a new executive order that came out. Definitely check that out. The IRS has also issued FAQs on leave sharing plans to aid employees affected by COVID-19. And the Department of Labor has also issued some new FMLA forms for you guys to use as well. Also found an article on four common COVID misunderstandings that could place your company at legal risk. We've also got the EEOC has resumed issuing notices allowing workers to go ahead and sue employers. And also the EEOC has issued new workplace guidance on opioid use and reasonable accommodation considerations. There's also some over in California, uh, an article on challenges and risks when private employers regulate employees off-duty conduct in California. Philadelphia employers are on alert as the new wage equity ordinance will be enforced starting the 1st of September. Over in Tennessee, the governor has signed the COVID-19 Liability Shield into law. And lastly, the Washington governor creates COVID-19 Food Production Workers Paid Leave Program. Now, you can find these articles actually over on the bestpractices.work website. Click on the podcast at the top and you'll be able to go ahead and link to them. Just go ahead and click them on and link over and you'll be able to read them up.
0: There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation's dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the US Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life.
1: Today, folks, we've got uh, a very awesome visitor, a uh, guest on the show uh, from PayPal, actually. Uh, her name is Sharanya Kannan, and I was so sweating saying that, it's <laughs> like neck bottles, is not easy, right? <laughs> and um, Sharanya actually, um, this is what she does. She actually takes all of the data from PayPal, and she looks at the world in a very broad view and helps people on the inside to understand what the hell is going on in the real world. (laughs) (laughs) We're speaking over at the Women's Future Conference that is hosted by the Stevie Awards. It's taking place uh, November 12th through the 13th. It is a virtual event. It originally was supposed to be held in Las Vegas, but as we can know, that's not going to happen, so anyway welcome aboard how are you I'm doing well how are you Brenda I'm good I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say about what's really going on in the world so So I'm really excited but I I first wanted to compliment you
2: on saying my name right
1: (laughs) <laughs> thank you i appreciate that <laughs> i guess it helps having a difficult surname huh? <laughs> yeah, i'll I'll take a victory any day <laughs> what to me it might be small to you but it certainly is colossal to me so i'll take it great so tell us tell us a little bit about what the that you do over at paypal with global strategy yeah mm-hmm. Um, So, I have
2: about 10 years of experience working on strategy. I've worked in different markets across the world, like South Korea, India, and now the US. Um, So, specifically at PayPal, I work on understanding, you know, what are macro trends in the economy, how the world is really changing on a day-to-day basis, uh, what are consumer preferences like. Um, And when we say consumers, you know, PayPal is a two-sided network. We have merchants on one side and we have our consumers. Um, who use the blue PayPal button to check out on the other side. Um, So it's about understanding our customers as a whole, these merchants who could be small businesses or large enterprises, and some of these consumers who, uh, you know, who are like everyday people like you and me using PayPal. Um, So it's all about understanding, you know, what are are these people thinking and how can we enable them? Um, As our CEO always says, like, the the role of PayPal is to democratize financial services. Um, So on an everyday basis, we think of, like, how can we make, Uh, you know digital transactions more accessible to everybody there's a huge proportion of unbanked people like how do we deliver banking services to them in a way that is non-threatening in a way that is inclusive
1: yes and i love 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 that you specified that specifically in the and specified specifically okay the reason why i'm saying that is because over in the next gen women in hr facebook group we have been talking about all like all of most of July, some of June, we started talking about how how you align, you know, your HR initiatives to the company objectives. You just clarified what the company objectives are very, very specifically. How do we make business transactions better? And it's as simple as that. So that's part of the reason why I'd love to have you on is because everything that you and I talked about circles around that that core number one business objective and if people don't understand that then all this other stuff that happens it's it doesn't mean anything
2: It Definitely doesn't mean anything. So, um, you know, while at business school, we did this course called reimagining capitalism, uh, which was a question of, you know, how do we bring uh, capitalism to be in a more inclusive way, like the rich, uh, the divide between the rich and the poor is exacerbating, uh, particularly with the advent of COVID. Uh, But, uh, you know, there are very few companies that are sort of trying to bridge the gap. And I'm I'm very proud to say that PayPal sort of does that really well. You know, we are able to, uh, to, um, I'm able to Work for a company that not only focuses on revenues and profits, we just had our third quarter second quarter earnings call yesterday. And, and we as a company have done so well. Uh, and at the same time, you know, um, the CEO is constantly emphasizing the values of, of being inclusive and, and, um, you know, how we serve the society. So f- finding that balance between these yeah. two, um, I think, you know, uh, proving that, establishing that is, is what makes this unique.
1: Yeah. And what's unique about having a strategist in seat like you, is that you're not you don't have tunnel vision cuz you 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 know you're not looking at it through the eyes of one particular department or one particular project you're looking at things again like i mentioned when i first introduced you in a much broader scale and and but you bring it in da- back down into more digestible chunks so that people can really truly understand what's going on and then since you're a strategist we'll kind of get into, and I know you've got some background on this too. How does this work on the HR side? How does this work with HRIS? And typically a lot of people that listen to the show are, you know, HR person of one, or they, you know, very small teams and departments, but we have a lot of people, believe it or not, that still listen, that come from larger enterprise. So, so this is, this is really unique information. That's why I'm so excited about it. So (laughs)
2: Yeah, um, so I think, um, I, I don't know if we, um, you know, if we can stay away from the bias of tunnel vision. We try to, all I can say is we try to. <laughs> the the biggest benefit, as you so well articulated, is that we have a very cross-functional view. So any project that I undertake involves a product, marketing um you know the customer service department um, sales sales enablement um you know go-to-market strategy um and to a large extent hr as well and so we try and encompass or uh, you know all the different we, we engage all the different uh functions of paypal so we we do have the advantage of having that bird's eye view uh, yes. but it, it's also often hard because you know each department sort of has slightly differing agendas and and sometimes yes. you know getting cross cross uh cross functional stakeholders to align uh, could be uh, an interesting challenge uh, but it's definitely right that you know um, our insights or the market strategy that we provide is is often to the point it is without bias it's not to appease any stakeholder in any department and so we try to keep it neutral and so it's accessible to anybody
1: yep i love it so this is a lot of what we, like, so when you go for your, <clears throat> this isn't for you specifically, but this is for those that are listening. So like when we go, if, if you've never been formally trained in HR, if you don't have the ed, the background in the education and you, you're learning on the fly, which a lot of people do in this industry, a lot, a lot more than I think people realize, um, is that when you go for your certifications, they're always constantly talking about aligning company strategies, HR initiatives with company strategies. And this is, so just, you know, for those who are listening, just prime yourself to keep thinking that everything that you can take away is going to give you an understanding of how to align your HR initiatives, initiatives to company strategy, because that's where you're coming from. So we're gonna we're we're gonna dip into that a little bit more. So so tell me a little bit. So let's take it back step back. So you've been with so you've been a strategist for ten years. How long have you been with PayPal specifically? Uh, for close to one and a half years now. Okay. So you see you've seen a lot of recent change. You've seen, you know what, in our market is really kind of funky right now. We mm-hmm. had we had you know we came into this whole weird situation that we're in right, with the COVID nineteen and all this coming out of a strong market, which meant that we had a very strong economy. And the economy seems to be holding up even though there's a lot of fear uh, that's being printed about how the economy is not doing so well, but a lot of people have just figured it out. And I'm gonna safely assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, PayPal's position has increased because so many things went virtual so quickly. Yeah, that's correct. Um, So, um, you know, we have always been big believers
2: of digital um, and particularly with COVID, I think we've, um, you know, being able to enable consumers to shop from their home has been the strongest value proposition and we also own assets like Venmo uh, where you know now that you're not able to go meet your family you can still give them money Um, you know you can still enable other members of your family and friends by transferring money through Venmo Um, so because we have this ecosystem of of, you know a digital wallet where you know you can buy things you can like send money to friends and family um, we've been enabling people to, to you know to carry on with their lives to the extent that they can, um, given that the shelter in place um, and all the COVID warnings. Um, So so definitely, you know, PayPal uh, the growth has surged um, since March. Um, um, and that's 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 the core of our value proposition. Like, how do we enable our consumers? Um, and so, so to your point of like, you know, wh- what impact does this have, um, you know, on the organizational structure? It's very interesting. So, the last four years, uh, you know, five years ago, PayPal sort of became this independent company, separated from um, eBay just before that. Um, and so, for about five years now, the company has been in a growth trajectory. And when a company grows so strongly, which is driven by strategy where we're constantly thinking of you know what are the new avenues where do we go uh, ahead from here um, the the organizational structure and alignment becomes very critical to enable some of those those that strategic vision um so given that the growth we're having yes obviously recruitment has a very important component to play over there um, so um, at least with respect to you know the the market research and and the strategic insights team that we are um, you know we've certainly upped our hiring process um, you know a, a great deal of highly qualified candidates are now int- increasingly interested in, in working for us um, and we also find that you know um, as as the business evolves as we acquire new assets so we recently acquired honey um, and um, you know was as uh, before that we've had a slew of successful acquisitions like Zoom, which is an international money transfer service. So with with all these different acquisitions, we find that, you know, there's a huge component of HR enablement that comes along with it. Um, As a strategist, I don't directly deal with that, but um, to your point, like we have that bird's eye view of what's happening across the company. Um, And so simple things like, you know, PayPal is this two-sided network. So we have this merchant team, we have this consumer team. So, uh, you know, uh, realigning our product team to make sure that, uh, you know, people tag themselves to either merchant or consumers and having those two distinct Large teams uh, in the product organization. Um, that was a very interesting organizational enabler that has spurred a lot of growth in PayPal. Um, and similarly, we've uh, you know we've we've been uh, facing a lot of competition in the payment space recently. Um, so enabling marketing becomes critical. Um, and so uh, you know uh, HR had a very significant role to play in terms of amping up our marketing team. Uh, in terms of figuring out you know what sort of marketing do we need? Do we need brand? marketing do we need digital marketing um, you know finding those trade-offs and hiring the right pre- people to lead those new challenges um, so a lot of organizational changes happen especially when a company is growing at this pace um, and definitely so I see strategy in HR being very tightly aligned um, so I think it's really important for an HR leaders to sort of constantly be plugged in to what the strategic growth of the company is um, so it's not just about like hiring resources but also about you know restructuring the organization in a way that can
1: enable people to function quickly in a very agile way yep i love it what have you found so far from from what you're just talking about what has been the most exciting thing would you say um definitely the the growth trajectory of the company has been
2: exciting Uh, But for me personally, the kind of people I work with PayPal has been um, extremely exciting. Um, You know, I work with a high performance team um, and they're also extremely nice people. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they, there was this conventional wisdom that, you know, smart, you have to be arrogant to be perceived as smart. And and I just see that that wisdom getting annihilated in this world of tech where, um, you know, you have to be nice and you have to be smart. And, and people are, uh, you know, it's great when people around you are supportive and encouraging and they enable uh, you to be
1: the best version of yourself every day. That's awesome. Now, when you and I, when we first talked in preparation for this interview, you had said something that was really great. And I asked you, you probably, I don't know if you remember it or not, but I'm going to ask you again. You told me the story about how it was that you made the decision to come to PayPal and what was, and there was a really big reason behind it. Do you, do you recall that conversation? Yes, I do. You're kind so, of like on the uh, witness stand here right now, right? Do you, <laughs> you recall that, ma'am? Um, <laughs> but it was, an, it was an awesome discussion because it goes back to the point of, you know, companies will be successful in this weird job market right now if they brand themselves as an employer of choice and what you said just completely resonated with that. So I would love it if if you need a hint, I can give you a hint. Let let me attempt it because there's Okay go for it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've
1: been hanging on to it for two weeks. (laughs)
2: So before PayPal, I was working with this strategy consulting firm called the Boston Consulting Group, BCG. They are a leading strategy firm. um, And I was working for their Boston office. And so I wanted to move to the warmer West Coast when I interviewed with a couple of firms here. Um, And so PayPal was one of my offers. And when I was choosing between some of these offers, um, you know, my my manager at PayPal, he came to me and said, "Um, look, I know you think PayPal is not fancy or attractive like most other shiny brands out there. But guess what? It's a great company. It's in a great, great growth trajectory, and we'd love for you to come on board and steer some of this growth. Um, and that pitch was just so appealing. Like you know, uh, I think Cheryl Sandberg, um, um, in her book, she talks about you know if um, if there's a space shuttle, you just get on and you don't ask where the destination right. is. You just hop on and right. you hope for the best. Um, and so that's literally what I felt when I joined PayPal last year, and um, it hasn't been a disappointment at all.
1: No. <laughs> You also praised the CEO's view and some of the things that he communicates. Do you recall what that was? I'm always in
2: praise of the CEO. Like I adore (laughs) (laughs) PayPal CEO, just like everybody else at PayPal. Um, He is a phenomenal executor. Um, He brings the the right business metrics, um, and he he also has the you know the right economic lens with which to view and the the right perspectives around you know how do we include. Um, you know, the underbanked or, or how do we serve minorities? And so he's constantly cognizant of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are like a hundred examples. I don't specifically recall
1: the one thing that we might have spoken about last month. That's okay. You pretty much nailed it right there. (laughs) It was the, my, my, what I wanted to just reiterate was that when you have an employee that is, that, that is resonating so well with what the ceo is delivering it's a very empowering thing and that's you know and this is like i said it's a weird time right now and and we'll get into what the real, the world really looks like next but you know this is kind of part of it a lot of people think that there's areas of it that's scary and then there's areas of it where they still believe the green, the grass is greener on the other side and here you are you know you know absolutely bought in and you know, following what the direction of the CEO for one, he's communicating it well Two, it's the right thing that he's doing. And Mm -hmm. I think with all of the mass media hype that's going on right now, because I'm, I'm solid believer that I think if we shut the media down (laughs) for three days, 60% of our issues will go away. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and at least it'll feel like it we will get a respite, but that's the thing is like it's true leadership that's coming out and from the perspective and from an employee for HR people to hear that because all we're dealing with, is with the problems. It's a great refresher for us. It's a breath of fresh air for us to hear, man, we got somebody who's out there that really likes what they're doing. This is awesome. <laughs>
2: Um, In in general, I do find the vibe in Silicon Valley um, to be, you know, people always talk about Silicon Valley from a very entrepreneurial perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, lots of my uh, friends from Harvard who are uh, running their own startups, um, they, they come with uh, this interesting business proposition to solve important and significant needs um like you know how do you how do you bridge the gap between the rich and the poor and how do you enable uh, more people to get this access like how do you work in the field of like health sanitation education um so to me it's it's interesting that there is greater cognizance of social issues and it's not just about You know your company becoming the next unicorn and you um, you know getting a couple of billion dollars out of it but it's really about how can you make a difference to the world around you yeah yeah so that definitely is is, uh, uh something interesting about silicon valley
1: yeah that's that's awesome so okay so let's get into it what are you seeing in the world what does this world really truly honestly look like right now because to everybody else it's a mess (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, um, the world is a bit of a mess. I would
2: say that is a fair summary. Um, but it's so interesting because, you know, uh, different countries are, are dealing with the situation very differently. Different countries have been impacted very differently uh, by COVID. Um, so for instance, um, you know, China was the first country to be affected, but China scores very high on optimism. People in China are still fairly optimistic um and and lots of lots of asian countries like um indonesia india um vietnam vietnam specifically because it hasn't been impacted as much by covid uh, but we see a lot of optimism in asian countries mm-hmm. and then if you move over to the west um it's sort of the exact opposite um we see that there's a lot of pessimism um there's there's not much optimism um and it's it's so interesting um you know people's spending has decreased And this recession is so different from the previous Great Recession. So in the previous recession, we did find that, you know, people's consumption of goods decreased by about 50%. In this recession, people's consumption of goods has increased, like what do you do when you're at home? You buy more things to fill your home. Uh, But people's consumption of services has come down by 67%. Um, So if you look at the GDP decline in the US, like 67% of that is, is a decline in personal consumption um and um, um and just one thought to wrap this up before you yeah, ask him no. no go ahead <laughs> uh, it's um you know what is really interesting is most of these in person services are are um, offered by small businesses yes. uh, most of these in person services are offered by um people uh, who are not the richest um and so when you look at like who's been impacted more the richest people have decreased their spending by only uh, by by about twenty percent or thirty percent, but uh, you know the, the 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 not so rich segment of the society, the middle class and below, they have not been, they haven't had the luxury of you know being able to reduce their their spend, um, so they still have to spend while their incomes have decreased. Whereas for the rich people, right. the income hasn't declined, but their spending has has declined.
1: Yeah, well, and, you know, a lot of that, too. So if people aren't spending on services, it's it's mainly because services aren't available right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, your, your health and wellness services and, you know, there's more gray hair out there over several months than I think most people would be comfortable to show, you know. Uh, nail services. I mean, it's just, you know, those types of things. Um, even Even with the DMVs because DMVs are running, you know, tight. You can look at it that way, even that's more government, but still, it's still a service, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, the service, the service industry as a whole, not just restaurant, not just food, not catering, not any of that, just as a whole, if they're producing some form of hands-on personal service, um, that industry has definitely taken a hit. Retail has taken clearly a hit if it's strictly brick and mortar so i so that makes a lot of sense but i agree with you that people are home spending money pulling things in and that's where the job creation really truly is coming into place because that's part of our that's our national supply chain and a lot of people are struggling and, and i don't know if you have insight to this or not a lot of people are struggling to find individuals to fill those open positions in part because those who are able to collect both the state and the federal unemployment rates are not interested in going out and looking, truly looking for work. And that is, that's a real thing that we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Um, so definitely,
2: we see a bit of that, but um, you know, I think I think the uh, the government stimulus has has boosted, um, yes. you know, some of these. Uh, the gap that we're seeing, um, th- the gap has been bridged because of the government stimulus. Um, so yeah, perhaps there are there are some there's there's a disin it, it's not an incentive for people to look for work, uh, but we do certainly see several instances where um, you know it um, it's, it has enabled people to continue their standard of living um, to, and and so from that sense the stimulus has been uh, a, a fantastic success um, particularly because if you if you look at some of the trends and this was um, um, you know uh, some research that was done at Harvard um, you know the the trend shows that um the small businesses which are in the richer zip codes have been impacted the most um so the small businesses in some of the less rich neighborhood are, are somewhat fine but because the rich have dec- uh, have decreased their spending by 20 30% we do find that the richer zip codes smaller businesses attached to r- richer zip codes um, have suffered the most um and so in in several cases like that you know the stimulus money is is definitely their only way of of doing things forward um and the second thing is like skill realignment um, you know we um Um, You know, obviously, like digital jobs are increasing, but not everybody has the skill set of digital, Um, you know, PayPal enabled several businesses to go online, um, set up their store online, uh, enable digital money transactions, but not everybody has that capability or the means or the awareness to do that. Um, And so in those instances, it's it's probably like it's it's hard for them to go out and find a job when you know your skill set is you've been this hairstylist for 20 years like that's the only thing you know how do you translate that into a digital service exactly Um, yeah there's partly um there's partly you know the non-transferable skills that that comes into play when we're saying people are not looking for other jobs well how can they
1: yeah um yeah so that's my take on that so can you can you put some clarification in because you're and it's not a bad thing, but, um, and I'm not picking on it, but I just want to get some clarification on something. So when we talk about richer or poorer, right, in, in how you're describing things, can you help us understand what your definition of rich and poor is? Because th- those are hotly contested words and and they're, they're trigger points that are used uh, in political mainstream media. And 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 for the sake of this show, I want to make sure that we have an understanding, are you talking about? the true wealthy, which is the top 1% of the country, or are you talking about those that are, you know, acquiring a certain amount of wealth or earnings or like, how are you, how are you just so people understand where you're coming from when you use Shorter words. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah, so typically when we say rich, it, it, there's an income-based um, classification, right? So typically in the United States, people with an income of 100 or 120K above that, uh, we call them as rich. And anything below that would fall under different levels. Uh, people who make less than 30 or $20,000 per annum will fall under the um, the, the category of, of being in the lowest rate. Um And um, so it's there's an income-based divide. But specifically for this study, which analyzed you know that you know the richer zip codes versus the less rich zip codes. It was based on how the property
1: values at different zip codes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I just want to make sure that people understood because just because you can pay for something doesn't mean you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that. And that just I'm means talking that you probably about probably saved your pennies.
2: <laughs> That's right. And I'm not talking about you know Bezos and Zuckerberg yeah. when I say rich. Um, i'm I'm speaking about you know um the general income income um, based classification here.
1: yep no that's fine and and that's why I wanted to get that up because also somebody who's making a hundred thousand dollars a year really to really truly isn't quote unquote rich yeah just in a higher pay bracket because you know and that's a little bit more in the norm versus somebody who's earning seven hundred and fifty thousand and higher yeah that now you're starting to move towards that. You're getting closer to that one percentile multi-million, right? So I just, for the sake of everybody who's listening, that kind of gives them a context of, you know, what type of, um, you know, uh, financial demographic you're actually speaking of. Yeah, that's a great question. And thanks for clarifying that. Oh, yeah. Um,
2: And we do find that as the income goes up, their spending has decreased more and more. So why do you think that is? Um, So because you can only spend so much on on food and groceries, right? So whether you're rich or poor, you typically cannot spend more than 1000 or $2,000 on your groceries every month. Um, So uh, if you are in the 1% or the top 10% of the population, you spend a lot of your money on Europe trips and, um, you know, luxury rentals and Airbnbs and weekend trips and with all that cutting uh, coming down, um, you do find that, you know, every human being spends only can only spend so much on groceries. So even sure. that you the, the income decline is high, it, it, it becomes uh, the,
1: the expenditure decline becomes higher and higher as you move up right. the income straight up. So your valuation and what you're seeing, too, and what's really going on is that those that have a higher stream of income. Um, you know your valuation is not just on personal and luxury items it's on the basics and the staples and and all that good stuff too okay so that makes sense. Yeah, that's where everybody's putting their money in right now it's just essentials everybody's
2: putting their money only into buying essentials perhaps a little bit of furniture for their home you know office chairs and and printers at home Uh, but really everybody's just buying essentials or, or entertainment at home
1: yeah God, that's and very interesting how much you can buy
2: yeah <laughs> how <laughs> Not many like you can you know just,
1: yeah 40 oh, bottles of it, jam
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can only have a bowl of cornflakes i guess
1: <laughs> yeah that's very true so so what are you guys seeing so as somebody who does global and you know this global analysis and this global strategy where are you seeing the direction that we're going in? I mean, now, granted, if you could look in a crystal ball, I'm taking you—we're going to go buy lottery tickets if you're right, and we're getting out of all of this. But I don't think that's reality. But <laughs> where, where where do you see us going with the data that you have? Because honestly, none of us know what's going to happen. I mean. There's really no nobody can accurately guess this. And that's not what I'm asking. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, my take on this um, and only time can tell um, Mm -hmm. if my assumptions are right. Um, So we have uh, data to say that digital transactions are here to stay. So on an average, digital transactions were growing three to four percent year on year in the U.S. And we did see, because of COVID, we almost got a 12 to 15% one-time boost in digital transactions. Wow. Um, and we do see that that trend will probably maintain your or. And this is based on consumer surveys that we did. Um, so we asked people, you know, um, you know, how many of you started doing these digital activities, which you weren't doing before, and how likely are you to stick with these activities? Um, and there are certain behaviors that will continue to persist. Um, I, I read this interesting McKinsey study, which is, again, based on consumer. A service uh, which says that certain elements of, um, of telehealth Uh, You know, your general consultations with your physicians, people realize it's just easy to do that, um, you know, uh, digitally. Um, Digital education, for instance, a lot of these apps, a lot of digital education is picking up. Um, And so, while mainstream school will return, and most parents like me are definitely looking forward to that, (laughs) um, there's a component of digital education, of supplementary digital education that is here to stay. Um, Definitely, e commerce is here to stay. Um, You know, from a personal anecdotal experience i would never buy groceries online um i liked ordering like clothes or shoes online but um, i never did groceries online and now that i've started doing that i realized oh my god this is amazing (laughs) I can three hours every weekend (laughs) um so so there are uh, you know e-commerce per se has has picked up so much um so we see many of these behaviors um accelerating the one other very interesting behavior that there are slightly conflicting views is work from home. Mm. Um, So there is a general thought that, um, you know, the the commercial real estate will probably come down. Businesses are figuring out efficient ways of, of working remotely. I remember when in person, you know, PayPal had this large campus with several buildings, and one meeting would be in one building. The other meeting starts exactly on the hour in the other building. And I remember running from one building to another, <laughs> making sure my access card works, trying to find the new conference room and going there. And, you know, only to figure out that I left my laptop charger behind
1: and my oh, laptop geez. power. So, <laughs> you need one of those <laughs> pneumatic people tubes like they do in the Jetsons. You just go in and just <laughs> sucks you right that into the other building. It's yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know trying to figure out the
2: um, you know the VC equipment where you're trying to plug in your laptop project and the projector doesn't work and all of that now it's just so easy where you know I plug into to zoom or microsoft teams and I'm sitting in one place and you know the middle of the day I enjoy lunch with my family Um, I work again and and so there's definitely an aspect like lots of people who are surveyed say um, the the aspects of office work that they miss is is you know just being able to run into people like have coffee like that social uh, element of work is what they really miss but from an efficiency standpoint um there hasn't been much of a loss um and so it's I, I think you know previously the work day at least in the west coast was like you know monday to thursday you work and friday was work from home and i think that it'll be interesting if the workplace evolves to be monday to thursday um, you work from home and friday you're in the office to just socialize meet people, grab the cu- a cup of yeah. coffee <laughs> yeah. yeah you have to
1: make those connections
2: Yeah. (laughs) So you sort of go to work for connections um, and you are at home for efficiency. Um, And I think people are struggling with work from home efficiency only because of one thing right now, that their kids are at home. And they're responsible for educating their kids. Uh, Once schools reopen and when it's safe too, um, and once your kids are at school, I think work from home would definitely, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of efficiencies to it, which, which will be unlocked.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. So what are you looking forward to for the future for 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 what it is that you do new data i'm sure <laughs> Um, so
2: one thing that I've been really smitten with is, is behavioral science, mm. um, you know, trying to identify human biases and how that factors in when, um, you know, when, when people are answering surveys, uh, when, when people think about the future, when people think statistically. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of work, um, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow really speaks about how a brain has two parts, system one and system two. Mm-hmm. System one makes those quick decisions, impulse-based decisions which is a life saviour at times but could be So tangentially, (laughs) diametrically opposite at other times. Not in others. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you have your system too where you do that deliberate slow thinking. And it's so time consuming. It consumes a lot of energy. So, you know, your your brain wants to conserve energy. And so it it tries to avoid that as much as it can. Um, And so applying that science to the the arena of consumer behavior and trying to, um, you know, understand what consumers are saying. But beyond that, trying to think of what consumers are doing beyond that. Um, so we, uh, you know, we um, uh, we have a lot of information on on consumers, um, and so we map that to what people are saying, and often these two don't match. Uh, they don't often say what they do, and so trying to identify those gaps and why those go- gaps happen, and people are not lying; they just they honestly believe what they say, but they behave in a very different way. So trying to bridge the gap between what people say and they do, I think, um, is a really interesting area of research. Um, and big data is the other big thing that's happening in research. Like we have so much data, especially digital commerce. Um, there's just so much data out there that we can tap and there's so much that we can do in terms of, um, you know, identifying trends and how do we support, uh, the underbanked
1: and all of those. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so very much for joining us. This has been great. This has been enlightening. Uh, thanks for
2: inviting me, Brenda. I really enjoyed this, and congratulations on your podcast winning the Stevie Awards
1: this Aww, year. <laughs> thank you so very much, and I look forward to working with you at the uh, at the Women's Future Conference coming up. That's going to be even though it's virtual and we won't see each other in Vegas, but still, it'll be a, it'll be a good time. Yeah, um, interestingly, speaking of
2: behavioral changes, the virtual conferences are actually pretty interesting. I realize I'm able to do a lot of conferences in a cross country way. Um, which I couldn't do earlier. So as much as I
1: miss the energy of being in person, yeah. uh, this has been an interesting change. <laughs> it is. I love the actual travel aspect of it. I like getting out of my environment and going to a different one. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is something I definitely miss.
2: I, yes. I totally miss that.
1: Yes, I do too. So a lot. I mean, a lot of people are you know, like. They don't like the hustle and bustle of travel, man. I I am packed a week before I have to get on an airplane because I just love the whole experience of flying. I always have. Start to finish, so I do miss that personally. Well
2: When I was a consultant, I flew out every Sunday and I would fly back again every Thursday. so I, do, I don't miss flights as much <laughs> after <laughs> doing that for two years, but <laughs> but I do I do miss um, you know human connections and yeah. you know standing in front of a crowd and just the energy that you derive from
1: that. yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for for coming on. I do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Brenda, for hosting me. Look forward to seeing more of your podcasts. Absolutely. So starting in September, I'm just giving you a heads up. Um, We're going to be adding a new segment to the show, and if you've been listening for uh, anything that I've been doing for a while or participate over in the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group, you've heard me say at some point that you really need to take care of yourself first in order for you to be able to take care of everything else. Because what we do in HR, we spend all day taking care of everybody else's problems first. (laughs) That's what we do. And then we go home, and then we take care of everybody else's problems there. So focusing in on you is key and critical and like i said starting in september i'm going to be featuring as part of the show a segment on what you can do to to help take care of yourself so you can take care of everything else so you get a moment of the day back for yourself and there's you know wide variety of topics that we're going to talk about and it's a short segment right it's not going to be like this whole blown out thing but we are going to kick it off Um, first off, we got Mark Victor Hansen, who's coming back with his beautiful wife, Crystal, and they're going to talk about their book. And so all of September really is going to be focused on just, it's hard out there right now. It really, really is. Everybody's feeling it. I know I'm feeling it too. But I've been making some changes and um, it's helping me get through all of this craziness that is going on. And some people are referring it to the new norm. God, I hope not. (laughs) This is not the new norm. I hope that this is going to wind up here uh, starting into 2021. I'm ready to put 2020 behind me, but I'm kind of not because there's really good stuff that's happening in addition to what's going on with all the garbage. So so stay tuned. Come on in. We got some really cool things. Um, the, but the whole month is really going to be about staying in motion, which is going to be great. Um, we're going to have you know subject matter experts as well as featured products that are effective and easy to incorporate into your day. Um, we are back with the HR question. I've had a couple good ones come at me today. One today's actually. Uh, based from an employee perspective, which I really like these, because it shows you a couple things. Number one, it shows you what employees are actually out there looking. They want to know how, you know, they want answers to these kinds of questions, which tells me that they don't have confidence in their relationship with HR. So this is an opportunity for you guys to take these questions and really build that up. Now, you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.work website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu. Down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may be able to read and answer on an upcoming episode. So this question came to me from an employee. Can you get fired from your job if you get a DUI and your job is to travel to go see clients? And I think this is a really great question. So in today's world, right now, work from home limits our ability to travel but not really because i've been you know i recently went out uh out west and i can tell you that every seat in the aircraft was full so um people are traveling the airports were busy and you know even though about a third of the services were shut down there's still a lot of travelers and i went through all sorts of major hubs and and you know small airports as well so Um, gave me a chance to really kind of scope the landscape out for myself. Regardless, we're talking about DUIs. So normally a manager or a leader's instinct is when somebody gets arrested for a DUI is to automatically fire the employee. They don't want the baggage. They don't want the drama. They don't want the bad reputation. They just don't want any of that stuff. Well, here's the deal. If you terminate an employee just based off of their arrest records, you're actually performing an unlawful employment act, okay? In this country, we are innocent until proven guilty. And not to mention, it's just an arrest. It doesn't, it just means that they're charged with a crime and then they have to go place their argument and, you know, their plea and their argument, hopefully, you know, depending upon what the circumstances are, it will resolve itself, Okay. Your best bet, and I've had this happen. I've had several employees with DUIs that have lost their license. They've lost their ability to drive. They have to drive under certain circumstances. Um, It's their first offense. It's uh, multiple offenses. I've seen it all, practically, all right? I've even had one including death. So can you get fired from your job? Listen, here's the deal. If you have to wait until the individual goes through the actual trial, They have to go to trial. Once a verdict has been read and rendered, based off of that, you can make your determination. Now, most states, depending upon how the laws are, will permit an employee to drive with a charge of a DUI, but once that conviction comes into place then the determination on whether a person can drive or operate a vehicle or operate a vehicle under limitations will come out. So if it's multiple offenses, more than likely the license is going to get revoked. But the question is, can the employee still do their job even though they may not be able to travel? And in a virtual world, that possibility increases and it kind of saves face on the employee. The other piece of it is, is that If it turns out that the employee has to travel as part of their job, what other, what other opportunities, especially if it's a really good employee? I mean, let's face it, people make mistakes, right? I've had, I've had, I've seen some brilliant employees make goofy mistakes and they had to pay hard consequences for it. The question is, what are some of the other options? So you'd really have to take a step back and take a look, but most importantly, You don't fire an employee just because of an arrest. can't do that. That's bad, okay? It's once the verdict and once the trial is over, then you can go ahead and make your determination. Well, what happens if the employee has to serve jail time? Well, you know what? Then they're clearly not able to report to work, and depending upon the length of their sentence, if it's something where they're going to be out for two weeks, well, you know what, take a look at the circumstances and determine, can we put them on a leave of absence, do they have PTO, can they just go ahead and do that, return to work, if it's a nonviolent crime, or if it's not in a situation where it's putting your workforce at risk or at harm, then, you know what, you know, (laughs) compassion, (laughs) compassion, we kind of need it right now, um, I would go the compassionate route if it makes sense. Now, if it's violent crime, if it's for, I mean, we're talking about DUI, but if it turns out that it was because of a domestic, you know, incident, or if it really gets kind of sticky and dodgy, then you really have to make your own judgment call. And this is something that you should be talking about with an employment attorney as well, okay? But if it's something to where they have to serve a significant amount of time, and I mean, like, greater than 30 days, then you guys have to determine whether or not this person is capable of reporting to work and if it turns out that that's just not going to happen and um, you know if your employment attorney says yeah well you're in a position where you can separate you have to make that determination but remember what you do you set precedence so what you do for one you do for all so this is something that you really have to thoroughly consider it's not something that you know personal judgment can take over this is something you guys have to really look at from a legal aspect from a moral aspect Uh, from a cultural aspect and also from setting your own company precedents. So that's an awesome question. I'm glad that came, came my way today. Thank you so very much. So over in the next uh, gen women in HR community, we are focusing in starting to focus in on, uh, some additional learning and inviting you in to come join us. We have real conversations in real time with real people and, uh, they're, they're awesome. They're an awesome, awesome group of people. And, and, You know, with everything that's been going on this past month, there's been a slight disconnect. But you know what? September's ramping up and we're just going to absolutely crush it over there. Um, You know, but what we really, really need right now is real. We just need real. And it's time to stop absorbing information and start talking about it. We're well over 165 members now. We're knocking on the door of 170. And uh, we're just growing strong and we're growing. That's a big thing. So jump in, join the conversation Uh, enjoy the group, really, you know, get a lot out of it. We've got a new session coming up looking at how to prepare for Q4 and uh, the end of the year. So if you'd like to, uh, you know, learn some best tips and tricks, you know, come join us, sign up for that. It's a free webinar. But when you join the group, you have to answer the questions. If you don't answer the questions, this is our way of determining whether or not you are an individual who is serious about coming into the group and really investing time into the work. Uh, and if you're not, then, you know, we, we, we love you, but we're going to pass. So if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR, where I give general updates with what is going on, uh, in the HR world over on Instagram. You can find me again over at Brenda, the HR lady, where I share a little bit more about what I'm personally up to. And if you'd like to connect with me professionally, you can find me on LinkedIn at Brenda Neck That's N-E-C-K-V-A-T-A-L. Over on YouTube, I've been building a library of videos that you can find me over there as well using my name. And I also co-host another show, which we are kind of recalibrating, due to some technical challenges we seem to be having. So, But it's called The Real HR Show, and it's something that I co-host with the evil HR lady herself. Her name is Suzanne Lucas, and she's written over a thousand articles for Inc.com. Very, very smart lady. Lastly, you can also jump on the website at bestpractices.work where you can read up on the new updates I called out earlier in today's episode. And this is something that I decided to add so that you guys can get access to this information versus trying to figure out how to go about finding it. So simply visit the bestpractices.work website and click on the podcast link, and again, you can go ahead and get this week's articles. Also, while you're there, click on connect at the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And folks, thank you again for yet another epic episode. Um, Great conversation. Uh, Y'all, look, if you're feeling like I've been feeling lately, that you're just stuck, stay tuned for September because September is all about staying in motion. We're going to talk about grit. We're going to talk about how to take care of yourself we're going to talk about ask which i can't wait for you guys to hear that interview we're going to talk about mark and uh crystal's new book ask and that is really how to call forward uh the things that you want in life and make those things happen so you guys rock you guys are awesome and uh look forward to to next week